Our DT Systems, the Wrap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Wrap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Our baby Gunner Kennels. Man, one of the things that I love about Gunner Kennels is they're thinking about our older hunting buddies. Old Buck, he hangs out in a gunner kennel when he goes to and fro. And in his, we've got the ortho pad. He's got the old joints. And, and even if your dog's not old like Buck, you just want a little bit of added protection as you're rolling down the road to keep that dog from bouncing around a little bit. So the ortho pad, super huge. If you got a younger dog that may dig a little bit, maybe chew a little bit, that performance pad is going to be clutch as well. So check it out. It's the full kit brought to you by Gunner Kennels, always innovating our industry and always keeping your dog safe. Slide in the dms if you'd like to learn more about getting you and your dog into a gunner kennel it's force fetch baby it's the number one question we get asked you don't know how to fix it let me help you let me get you to your goals we built a course bunch of videos i think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully the link's in the description be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog Yo, 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 we got another episode for you of the Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. Welcome to another episode. It's just me and Kevin tonight. It's going to be a special, special time. Baby. We're going to talk about hunt tests. We're going to talk about some of the training that if you haven't listened to the previous episodes with my friend Oliver, there, there were a few things that he talked about that we're implementing. We're going to talk on that. We're also going to talk about giving back to the retriever training community at my local club training day tonight and some of the things that I see, I notice, I help with that I think might might help you guys out. And we're going to have fun with it. So, uh, you know what we got to do. The food that fuels the truck of lone duck. That's that. Hey, you can noobub, baby. Uh, listen. We do the old three-month challenge. I've had a, a good bit of people slide into the DMs and say they, that they've tried it and they're happy or that they just got their first bag and they're doing the three-month challenge. So good on you. Thank you for trying it. I think you're going to be very pleased. Next up, man's best kennel. That's the gunner kennel, baby. That's that big old box that keeps them safe when you're rolling down the road. Made in America, great people, great company. They stand for the same things we believe in, and that's the unspoken bond. If you'd like to get into a gunner kennel, slide on into the DMs. We'd be happy to get your pricing and hook it up. Next up, smoke them if you got them. Welcome to the trigger hood. You know, you slap a little, little pellet in there. You push a button. Walk away. Next thing you know, you're going on those ribby ribs. Uh. 
How's that sound in your freaking car stereo? Ugh, gross. Ribby ribs aren't gross, though. Check them out. Traeger, we love it. We got a couple different kinds. Kevin's got the old Ironwood. He's got the big dog. I got the old big dog. I don't really know what model mine is. I don't remember the name. It had a cool name, though. Yeah, it was probably like the Renegade. Maybe. Maybe. You know what was good, though? Uh, our good buddy, Andrew Big Sweat, last week was saying how good the Traeger sauces were. Oh, yeah, the apricot. Mm. Mm. Yeah, treat yourself. Even if you don't have a Traeger, go online and buy that apricot Traeger sauce. You'll thank me later. All right, next up. Truth. Shoot or shoot. We giving them the business with that bismuth. Kevin and I were just talking about duck season and our duck hunt with the pit boss, that one lucky Patreon winner. I'm getting it, excited. I know. We're we're down to like a month and a half, two months away until we announce our winner. So if you aren't on our Patreon, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. You go on patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters and uh, you get some insider stuff. You get a lot more tips answer a bunch of your questions happy hour to, yeah you get invited to happy hours yep all that good stuff like live zoom meetings and happy hours plus you know never before seen videos but anyways we're talking about getting gear for this winter and you know the winner's going to get some biz man so big shout out to kent check him out on instagram kent cartridge and annoy the heck out of him saying mm, biz man i oh. just put up a post today Racking Brismuth into their shotgun. I just was waiting for a bunch of I had, comments. I had a friend. Uh, I hadn't seen him in a while. And he's from the south. We were at a hunt test this past weekend in New Jersey. They drove up from South Carolina. Or he, he might be from North Carolina. But um, he's like, oh, man, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. Mm, Brismuth. I'm like, <laughs> like Brody. And he's uh, 55. Maybe 60. <laughs> yeah, big shout out, man. Yeah, love it. It's good it's to see you. And uh, so, yeah, the old, the old. Until he's 42, and then he's gonna be like, Bob, you really? still Well, you know, we're all weathered from the sun as dog it's trainers. True. So, nah, he's he's a good dude. It was great to see him. Speaking of, real quick, before we jump into the other ones, uh, walked up, said hello to Bob today, and noticed he's got a good farmer's tan, but has a whistle lanyard tan on the back of his neck from training all day, every day. What a tan. It's like when people go golfing a lot and have like that, uh, like a hat tan or like their sunglasses tan. Dog training whistle tan. Well, that's how you know I'm working. Somebody said you can't trust a, a dog trainer that doesn't have a tan. I believe it. That's fair. Yeah. Means Put they're that inside. on the shirt. Yeah. Means they're inside not doing their job. Get outside, train your dog. Get a suntan. Next. So we just did Kent. <laughs> uh, I got, we got lost. We got lost. Who are we at? Who are we at? Dogtra, bingo, bango, bongo. Talked with them a little bit today. The finest people in the world. Yeah, they need more content from us. We yeah. got to do some stuff. They specifically asked about the RR Deluxe, which I'm going to talk about right now. The RR Deluxe is called the Remote Release Deluxe. It is the Deluxe. Basically, you get a winger or a versal launcher or um, a zinger winger or some sort of or if you're a pointing dog person, the little box launchers for your pigeons or chucker, these remote releases are remote controlled and they'll make quack, 
quack noises, beeps, and they will remote release. So while you're 250 yards out, you can quack, 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 bang, hit a button, out comes your duck from your winger or boom, you know, whatever, uh, what are they called? Uh, da, 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 thunder launchers, etc. So check out the RR Deluxe if you have launchers or are looking into getting them. You can find those at LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Next up, mini shout out, Cable Gangs. It's a friend of mine. He sent me some of their product. Super nice guy. He's a pointer guy, loves running English pointers on Woodcock, and he makes chain gangs that are are really, really good. Can you explain maybe what a little bit of a chain gang? Yeah, so it's, it's a tie-out. It's a, a, his are coated, I think, like braided metal, right? Like a, dang, man, I'm an idiot. I don't know what they are. It's a freaking rope. That's not really rope. It's metal, but the dogs can't chew it or get hurt because it's coated. And it runs along the ground. You stake it down so they're separated. And they can be outside. They can You can put them in the shade. You know, if they swim, you can get them out and let them dry out instead of putting them straight in the box. And he makes these chain gangs, these tie-outs, and they're just super high quality, super good dude. So he's going to send me some stuff, and I'm going to tell you about it. Kind of an easy little trade for a little while. So anyways, Cable Gangs with a Z on Instagram. If you are looking for just a single tie-out for your dog or, you know, multi-dog tie-outs. Like I'm more, I just ordered an eight-dog tie-out. So I can put eight dogs on the tie-out and then Gundog Supply has these stakes that have a chain already on it. So that eight-dog turns into a ten-dog and you can have ten dogs sitting in the shade, chilling, while you're running other dogs. So cable gangs, give them a check out. Uh, next up, Waypoint Outdoor Collective, in tune with you, you in tune with us, keeps us in tune with Canada. And lastly, selfish plugs, guys. LoneDuckOutfitters.com for hats, T-shirts, hoodies, wingers, e-collars, RR Deluxes. Most things you need to train a dog can be found on our website, and we definitely appreciate you checking us out. Uh, and Patreon, if you enjoy this podcast, if we've answered your question on Instagram DMs or here on the podcast or whatever, slide on to Patreon. It's a couple bucks a month. It's like buying us a beer and we really appreciate it. And it's a cool community that you definitely belong to. And we do these happy hours and you get entered to win a free all expenses paid trip to the Eastern shore of Maryland to hunt with Captain Jeff Coates, the pit boss plus Kevin, plus me. And we're going to have a great time. You're going to be shooting that math. So we're going to have to book hotels for that soon. All right, bro, don't don't bog me down with details. I'm just excited. I know, I am too. All right, let's get into the show. Somebody can bunk with you. Yeah, dude. <laughs> All expense paid. You get to sleep next to Bob. Yeah, I sleep <laughs> naked, bruh. Hanging, hanging it all out there for our Patreon members. <laughs> Just all my glory. Shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot, baby. All right. Let's get into the show. So um, I know you want to talk about Oliver. Yeah. And so I'm going to re Yeah, give us a little bit of a rundown. So Oliver had mentioned reverse momentum with high-powered dogs or dogs getting out in front of you, walking to the line, or, you know, whatever the case may be. If a dog's really self- uh, motivated and 
a think for themselves kind of dog, this reverse momentum where you sit the dog down or you just immediately, you know, if they're healing out in front of you, you just back up and you might give a little low stimulation. They back up with you. They sit down. Now you move forward again. Or if they're at the line, you know, you sit, sit them down, the mark goes off. And as they're focusing on that mark, you're just silently backing away from them and they don't get the reward of the retrieve until they realize you're not there and come back to you, sit down nicely and calmly and go. And, you know, we've got a few dogs that I've been doing this with. I've been doing it with Hunter, Aries, Hank, Quinn, um, a little bit with Kuma, the golden retriever. And in all honesty, like, I've done this reverse momentum without even calling it reverse momentum when I'm walking to the line. When they're in the holding blind, they come out like a dink. I'm going to keep backing up, make them sit down, or I'm going to put them back in the holding blind, whatever the case may be. And that is even early stages of formal obedience when we're collar conditioning and working on heel and collar conditioning sit and all this stuff. I will reverse and walk back and they've got to stay with me uh as far as marks go i had done it with a few dogs but it's almost one of those things where like you don't do it all the time so you almost forget that you know that you know it right does that make sense like no i'm I'm tracking it's like you you like i've seen it before you forget to do it because it's not something that it's is overly routine for you right like last summer last summer i did it with a dog named rosie crackhead and and she it really helped her and i just i'd literally sit down in a chair because if you stood there you'd be like dang this is taking forever and then she'd finally realize it and heal back and after a week of that it was on now here's the thing i've been doing it since oliver has been here so let's say i've been doing it for two and a half three weeks and I feel inclined to say that I need to stick to my guns and and keep doing it all summer and then report back. I feel like my dogs are re- reverse healing quickly. Like they they are like I can't slide away from them silently anymore. They know I'm leaving, so they're like, "Nope, shit, I got to get back to them." Um, but that's what you want, right? Like you want them paying attention. No, you're right. Yeah, I'm just trying. You're to break you're it down. right. But it's not calming them down. They're staying in a high. And this is like I'm gonna try and explain some things to people that I don't understand. Like, I am humble enough to tell everybody that's listening to this, like, I'm fooling with this. This is a realm of something that every dog trainer out there deals with. High-powered dogs that want to retrieve. And how do we manage that, keep them controlled, keep them happy, but, you know, have some discipline and structure. Like, dude, they don't, they're really, really talented, like, all of them are running master level stuff. Like these aren't six month old puppies that I'm teaching to be steady. These are dogs that are steady. These are dogs that know what they're doing. They run beautiful blinds. They, they can stop marks. Like it's just 
they're on the edge of composure. They're that would be a great word. They're not fully composed at the line. So to me, when shit hits a fan, they're going to blow their top and can't contain it. And that's what's happened to Hunter. He's broke a few times uh, in master tests. Well, guess what? He doesn't break in training. He barely flinches. We threw, after that one hunt test that he broke, we set him up to break to try and get a correction. And we threw a live flyer and shot a bunch and ground swatted it and did all sorts of crazy, stupid stuff. He didn't move a muscle. And the bird was 15, 20 feet away. And so he knows better. It's just in the heat of the moment, he can't he can't stay composed. And so there's a thing called capping drive. And I really don't fully understand it because you're supposed to get them in this high state of being. You're supposed to play with a tennis ball or a Kong or, you know, whatever, uh, a fun bumper. Get them in this high state of being and then train at that high state of being and then withhold that reward. And maybe I'm not saying it right, so don't fully quote me on this one, folks. But you you play with them to get in this high state. So now their drive is high. And then you cap it by asking them to hold composure longer and longer and longer, and then they get the reward. And in my brain, so I've been listening to a bunch of bite dog guys and gals, and they talk a lot about this fancy mumbo-jumbo. I pretty much cut it dry with you all listening to this show like, I call what I call it. It is what it is. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't have fancy scientific dog training jargon. It it's just is what it is. This drive cap, I feel like I'm listening to these guys explain to me. I'm like, but that's what we do. I cap their drive when it's time to eat at three months old, four months old. I cap their drive like we're doing fun bumpers and then I have them sit. And then... These dogs live at 10. I don't need a tennis ball or a fun bumper to get them to live at 10. They just come out of the box at 10. And so, and, and through their life, they've built composure and it's gotten, you know, it's, it's not terrible. They're not, you know, squealing and going crazy. So I, I, I'm like questioning some of the stuff and I think this reverse healing and I'm probably rambling. So my bad, everybody, but this reverse healing will help give composure, will help build some of that patience. And I need to stay patient and like let them take some deep breaths and, you know, go back to the good old days of, hey, he flinched. Like, you know, I don't mean flinch like I'm going to swat him. I mean flinch like, you know, ready to go. Like, did he say my name? Did he say my name? Did he say my name? You know, if they do that, Hey, go pick up your bird. Walk him back in the holding blind. Go put him in the truck. Suck it, buddy. You don't get a bird. If you're going to move a muscle, literally a muscle, you're back in the truck. Until you can come out and walk nicely to the holding blind, walk nicely out of the holding blind. Because healing sticks, they work. E-collars, they work. But when you're at a test, you don't have them. And so I'm learning more about and wrapping my head around this capping the drive. 
I'm trying to relieve their stress, right? So they're so anxious and excited in that level 10 state. I'm trying to give them releases of that stress and they can take a deep breath and now we can become more composed. So I'm, I'm like really dog psychologying this shit instead of sit, wave your hand, throw a bird, send them, dead bird, here, no, good, back. Like I'm really trying to think deeply on how to get in these guys' brains because the work isn't the problem. Stopping on a whistle and going where I tell them isn't a problem. Cheating singles isn't a problem. Channel blinds, not a problem. Triples, not a problem. Sitting still and staying composed in the heat of the moment, problem. So, so I hear you, and what, and I wanna, I wanna kind of build on this a little bit because I, I feel like this is really interesting, and we have people write into us all the time, probably more writing into you, but that's okay. <laughs> Asking questions like, you know, hey, I. I don't put an e-collar on my dog and they they know it. They act totally different. Or as soon as I slip the or unslip the slip lead off their neck at a test, it's uh, hail gunfire. Like it, it, the things are going crazy. Right. So it, it's interesting to hear you talk about it as well. Um, and so I just want to like ask. Dive I don't deeper. know. Well, but well, so, I think- so there's got to be things that you've done. And I'm sure I'm not reinventing the wheel, but like, man, have you tried running his balls off so that he isn't as hyped up and energetic and whatever? And then after a long four-wheeler ride, is he maybe like a little bit more, oh, I got that out of my system. No, he's not. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, no, he, so, and I don't, I don't want to pick on Hunter because. Well, yeah, I guess not, I said I don't him, even, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean specifically Hunter. No, I know. So you get my point. I do get your point. I think there, there's a few key things. I think a strong foundation of obedience and they they do have it, right? Like this is what we do for a living and this is what they live every day. But the going, maybe I need to go the extra mile, right? Like I'm, this is a very transparent discussion of like me reflecting on, I don't like to fail. My dog's, and this is being a dink, but like we don't fail that much. It's not a good feeling. It's not a comfortable feeling. And they're young. Hunter's young. He's two and a half. It's not like he's seven. He's two. This is his first run at master tests. And and the you know, composure will come. It maturity will come. But in in the now, these are the things that I'm playing in my head every day. When I'm training him, all right, how can I handle this situation? You know what? He's probably, like today, he picked up one mark. We ran a boatload of blinds, and he picked up one mark. And he was steady as a rock. He did awesome. Um, you know, we we were doing some poison bird drills, like a key relationship drill, just adding more structure to the setup and then rewarding hard effort and structure and discipline by getting one retrieve. And guess what? If he had done something and moved or whatever, he wouldn't have gotten the retrieve. I'd have put him up. And so, but but again, that, that due diligence of, hey, 
let's put them in the holding blind all day long. You know, if people follow on Instagram, at Lone Duck, <laughs> they'll, they'll have seen pictures of him just sitting in a holding blind all day. And I think that, that I don't think that definitely helps. When he sat in that holding blind for an hour and then I pulled him out, he was still ready to rock. By hour four, he was like, huh, kind of mentally tired. Because he had to think about being in there. He had to think about relaxing in there. He had to think, what am I doing stuck in here? Instead of just being in his dog box all day, ready and waiting his turn. And then you open the dog box and boom, here we go. Game time, my turn, let's go. Walk to the line, boom, boom, boom. Go pick up marks, boom, run a blind. No, I made him think. So I changed his, I changed him uh, and his routine. I added more discipline and obedience. I was a little hard on him and then I eased up. And then I relieved that stress with a bumper, like a fun bumper. And then I put him back in a little bit of a stressful situation of stay in that holding blind. Um, you know, Aries, I've been kind of hard on. And I've eased up. The only thing I'll I'll kind of and I I've been like lifting up on his lead, like it, the extra. What do you want to call it? The extra tab of the e collar that hangs off of him. If he's like foot stomping, I'll grab that lead and basically, in essence, choke him. But I mean it in a nice way, like. You just lift up and instead of like... It just provides a little bit of pressure. Tension on his neck yeah. where he's like, huh, huh, what is this? And then you just gently relax it. And all of a sudden his feet stop moving. And he's not moving forward. And that's where it's frustrating because he's not making forward progress. It's just like pitter-patter. Next mark, pitter-patter. But at a hunt test, that's going to be pitter-patter out three feet or breaking. And so I need to have him just feet planted everything stays composed and calm and maybe that's maybe what I'm doing is wrong but I'm trying it because I am doing reverse momentum but he'll whip right back into heel and then still pitter patter all right I guess I'll back up again pitter patter you know what I'm saying so I just grab that thing lift straight up and he's two front feet come off the ground and then I and he's you know he'll struggle for a second and then I slowly let him down. Sit. Relax. Sit. Bird boy, go pick it up. You know, and so I'm giving him denials. I mean, it's, he is a, these guys are level 10s. I, I couldn't do this with Cruz. I couldn't do this with Ember. They're different animals. And they're not 11s out of 10s. They're shoot embers now like a seven a six like she's just methodical easy going gets it done gets it done but she's not you know frothing at the mouth to go Cruz is still pretty fiery but she's like she's that composed eight so how old is Cruz that I was just gonna say great point she's six. thank you so what I, my my question you gotta for teach that him is, 
Well, yeah, you got to teach them and you got to build that level of obedience and, and continue diagnosing, like, have I done everything to this point that I can start saying, okay, it's not their obedience. It's not that they don't know. It's not that whatever. Is it possible that every dog's different and these oh, guys yeah. just need to mature? Yeah. But, but, and but, that kind of just takes time. Yeah. No, that's fair. But I would say maturity, like, let's say we just, let them live in a house and they mature at four. We don't, you know, we don't touch them until they're four. Well, then they'd be mature, but then you bring them out and throw marks. They'd be crazy again. They've got to learn. They've got to train. They've got to be held to a high standard. And then as they mature, these things become less of a thing. Does that make sense? Because it's both time and maturity plus good, consistent, strict training yeah. all of a sudden that maturity pairs with all the training and now you got a dog that's bulletproof yeah. i mean memphis is the same as hunter memphis and hunter are the same dog memph broke memph blew me off on whistles memph did a ton of things knock on wood she's damn near bulletproof now you know she knows where birds are she tries hard. She's more of a team player. She's steady. She's on. She's freaking jacked, ready to go. But that composure and maturity is there. And she's six and change. All right. Anyways, long story short, that's a little brief recap of what I've seen. I've seen some improvement. I see them thinking about this reverse momentum. I see them progressing with it. I see some benefit. I also know that I need more time with it and that we've got to be equally as strict throughout other things. We'll follow up on it or we'll, yeah, we'll you know, check. Let's back check back it. in a month on it because dog training, you know, I, I get this a lot like, well, you know, Hayes doesn't, he doesn't take overs. Well, how long have you been working on overs? Three days. All right, bro. Hit me up in three months. Like things don't happen overnight you it, it, they take time and patience and consistency and you know every day you got to do something about it so all right next topic we you had a big weekend aside from all this craziness you had a really big weekend and uh i guess you don't really talk about it too much you you mentioned like man it's it's we work really hard and it's, a lot of dogs don't always fail and this and that and it's true you had a pretty awesome weekend um, with a bunch of dogs qualifying for Master National. So first, good for you. Congrats. Pat on the back. Thanks, but buddy. also, tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I'm getting my mustache ready for the Master National out in Idaho. Um, we ran in New Jersey. And I think we took five dogs and four out of the five passed. Old Sam, Mama Sam, failed again. She's frustrating. But... I don't know. She can do the work. It's just little things have gotten her in each test. And most of it has to do with effort on the hardest bird. Really? So like the easy birds, bingo, bango. The blinds, she runs great. But on the real difficult memory bird, she just will fade to a factor. Maybe it's a side hill. Maybe it's not getting in the water. Maybe it's you know, not doing a big, longer swim, 
and staying in good enough. And then all of a sudden she pops out and she's on the wrong side of the wind and maybe she's handled or, you know, she just gets herself into trouble on the big, long, difficult memory bird. Or even sometimes it's the short memory bird, whatever reason. It's just that third bird seems to get her. And so it's kind of, you know, not back to the drawing board, but just, hey, keep working at it. She'll get it. She's a good dog. Is what it is. But May qualified for Master National. Cruz qualified for Master National. I think Ember needs one more. Kuma, I think, needs two more. May like May May? May May. May May. She's a good dog. Yeah, she's. She's going to be a tough one to handle, brother. She is, again, this is, there's a lot of this similar characteristics. Like in training, she comes out of the holding blind nicely. At the test, she comes out of the holding blind and wants to be two feet in front of me. That doesn't fly at Master National. So we've got to really take a step back because she can mark and she can run a blind. It's not the work. It's the line manners and composure at the line and sticking with me and being a team player at the line. If they can do that, they can do the work. Um, but, yeah, I'm really proud of the dogs that qualified. I'm really excited that, you know, we're going to have a crew going this year, and I think they all have the capability and the, the talent to pass it. So, you know, whether the chips fall one way or the other, we're going to go give it hell, and we're going to work hard this summer to do it. It's pretty awesome. Uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of get through today is, is, uh, you, and you already kind of alluded to it earlier, but <clears throat> you spent the day working with, uh, your retriever club, Finger Lakes Retriever Club. Um, uh, tell me about that. What'd well, you do? So I didn't spend the day that I had clients throughout the day, but then from like five to seven thirty, the club gets the training grounds and I volunteer a couple times throughout the summer to run the day run the run the training session and it's it's a lot of fun a lot of great people and good dogs and basically we set up young dog handling drills and white pole blinds and mini tea and regular tea and then this I don't know what you want to call it. It's not the Y drill like the marking drill that we always talk about, but it's it is a Y, and I think it's on our Patreon. I think it's on our Patreon. It may not be, but if it isn't, we need to get it up there. We'll do a video on it. Okay, but it's uh, let's take your T pattern field where you've got first base, second base, third base. You know, pitcher's mound, home plate. If you're at home plate you put your back pile at the pitcher's mound and then you do you go out at an angle left back another one and then from the pitcher's mound an angle right back and so you teach it first by lining the dog to each of them so straight back then straight to the left one then straight to the right one just straight from your side and then you send them straight back again and then you send them straight back, stop them, and give them an angle left. And they have to basically handle off the short pile at the pitcher's mound, run past it, carry a angle cast. And so we just, you know, there's a lot of things that I see amateurs, and I'm not, I'm not picking on them, but a lot of them move too fast. So 
they don't sit on the whistle good. They haven't truly collar conditioned the sit. They, uh, what are some other things? Um, you know, some of their force fetch was real sloppy where they're dropping bumpers and fumbling bumpers and having to yell fetch three or four times while they're at the back pile and a lot of little easy things that if you follow a program through start to finish, then when you start building the next foundation of mini T, T pattern, handling drills, it becomes more seamless instead of still battling, telling the dog to hold, yet you're trying to get them to run T pattern. You shouldn't have to do that. And so we kind of discussed that as a group and how to take two steps backwards in order to move forward again and analyze where your dog's truly at. You know, they're great marking dogs. They Can they run a blind? Sure. Is it a sufficient blind? Maybe sufficient is the word, but a good blind is not the word. And when you're trying to build confidence on these things, it's kind of hard because they aren't even confident on the fetch command. They aren't even confident uh, on sitting on a whistle. So, yeah, will they sort of stop on a whistle and sort of change direction? Sure. But if they're not confident on it, then you're nitpicking them then they're slow and loopy and now they're way offline so you're hacking this blind up that shouldn't be that hard because the foundation isn't there and i always i kind of equate it to the house right like you got a strong foundation you want to build a good foundation first your concrete you know dig a hole and build your basement and then your concrete foundation and then you build good sturdy walls and then you put a roof on it, and then your interior of drywall and paint and hardwood floors and nice appliances, like all that stuff is later. But you need a good foundation or you can't put a roof on it. Or you can't put your refrigerator in and your big screen TV in because the roof collapsed because you don't have a good structure of the walls. So it's step-by-step process, man. And people rush it and they don't fully finish what they've done and they move on. And now the dog is three or four and they're still battling fetch. And so, and I'm, I, these are great people. They're friends of mine. I've known them forever. But you see these reoccurring themes with folks who ask questions on the podcast or come out and train or you know, have come to seminars and I just want to reiterate, it's not a belittling thing, but we've said it before on the show, like do things until the dog can't do it wrong. So do T pattern, do force fetch, do, excuse me, do force fetch, do force to a pile, collar condition your sit and get the dog sitting on a whistle nice and tight. Do mini T until they can't do it wrong. Do T-pattern until they can't do it wrong. Do your lining pass. Do your wagon wheels. Do your white pole confidence, you know, blinds um, before you go out and throw triples. I don't care if your dog can pick up triples. That's wonderful. That's awesome. But he can't sit on a whistle. But, you know, he's creeping three foot forward. Speaking, you know, I'm the 
we just talked for a half an hour about dogs that are moving and breaking. But the point is, you know, you, you got to have that obedience first. You got to have a foundation to build on. And it, I find it very common in the North because we have a limited training time. You know, people can only really train from April, but they aren't really in the water yet in April. So you're training in April, but it isn't fully training. Then May, so let's say May, June, July, August, September, October. That's six months. Then it's duck season. And basically most people's training goes out the window because they're duck hunting. And then it gets too cold and snowy. And so from October, November, December, January, February, March, April, that's another six to seven months of duck hunting and sitting on a couch. And so they're trying to pack an entire year's worth of learning in six months. And so they skip steps or, you know, slide over steps and the dog can do it, but it's not done, done. It's just done. It's not done, done. It's just done. And then you move on and all of a sudden that just done isn't there. And so really we worked on some different drills that people can do in the yard. On Patreon, there's a drill that we do. I can't even say the name. That's how secret it is. So if you jump on our Patreon, you can find that drill. Um, so we talked about that drill. We talked about that Y handling drill. We did T pattern and kind of analyzed everybody's T pattern and, and gave them homework. Even though some of them were running blinds, we went back to T pattern to tighten up sit whistles. Um, and we just gave homework. Here's what you can do in the next three weeks. And if you do it several days a week for three weeks, I promise you, you'll come back and we'll have real results. But you got to do it. It's like going to the gym and eating healthy. If you don't do it, you aren't going to get results. You can go twice a week or once a week. You're not getting jacked from that. I would be a prime example of that, buddy. I'd say me too, but no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I like this. So I'm, a, I'm glad that you did that. I know that you, you kind of... I say like you got your start working with them, but you ended up putting a lot of time and energy in in your early days working with that club and started getting more exposure to the world and, and getting more comfortable with it and doing a lot with them. And I, I think it's awesome. We have people write in saying like, how do you find people? How do you yeah. find training buddies? How do you whatever? And like, so there's two points I want to make. That's a great point. Thank you for bringing that up. Best point. There's, there's two things. One, I would encourage you to get with a club. Because it's a great place to get your dog more experience. Experience around other dogs, like a hunt test scenario. Like, they get jacked at a hunt test. Well, if you got six or eight trucks and their do- your dog has to sit in a you know, gunner kennel for three, four hours until it's their turn to run or something, like that's real hunt test experience that you can't replicate going to the field you know, on a Tuesday and training for a half an hour like that or like people ask all the time like how do i find dogs to do honoring with right i only have one right yeah you gotta go to a training day so you can get on the easiest way would be entryexpress.net and entryexpress.net is the website either that or huntsecretary.com those are two websites where you can sign up for hunt tests and those hunt tests are put on by retriever clubs. 
And so you can look up, hey, I'm from uh, Waco, Texas. Okay. Well, I'm if I'm from Waco, Texas, I go on Entry Express and I look up the 2021 calendar year and, oh my gosh, there's one in Palestine, Texas. Now, I don't know Texas at all. That might be seven hours away. I'm just using it as an example. Like, oh, shoot, the, the Palestine Retriever Club or Brazzer Sport Retriever Club, that's only an hour away. Cool. Send them an email. All the information is there for the club chairman, the president of the club. All that stuff is on that website. Email them, and they'll tell you when their club training days are and go join that club. The second point now, I cannot remember. I was saying when you first started out, you did a lot with the clubs and how you kind of I don't know, got to know a bunch of people and got more comfortable with working with dogs and stuff like that. I don't know if that jogs your memory at all, but sort of, sort of not enough, not enough to remember. That's okay. If I ramble long enough, I'll remember. Nah, it's okay. We can always come back to it next week or do something on Instagram tomorrow about it. But, but I do think joining a club is an awesome experience to have fellow friends. You might also realize like, Oh my gosh, you live in, Waco, Texas, man, I'm 15 minutes from there. And all of a sudden you got a training buddy. That's another thing too. you know, find people that are like-minded and want to do it. Um, man, I know I had something else and it was about the progression, something about the progression. Well, it could, it could be that you get to go and witness other people who are in different spots in training where you're learning, not just necessarily where your dog is at, but you're learning about dogs that are, you know, uh, we'll call it six months in your dog's future where they're on that next step or they're a little bit more advanced and they're working through these different things. And you can see how some dogs are doing and some dogs are maybe not doing. I know you always gave the advice that like find someone whose dog you, you want your dog to be like and buddy up with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Surround yourself with five successful people you want to be like, and you'll become more successful. That kind of mentality. Like if there's a few folks that dogs just kick ass, those are the folks I'd hang out with and listen and watch and ask questions. Um, Not the guy who knows everything, but then his dog can't do it. That's right. Yeah. There's plenty of those out there. Uh, um, But anyways, I won't remember it. It's too late now and I, I'm tired, but I think in the grand scheme of things, when you think about building your dog and getting ready for hunting season, because that's what we're all also trying to do. Like, if you do have no desire to run a hunt test, I don't care. I think you should. It's a lot of fun. It keeps you setting goals and pushing you and your dog. But even if you don't want to run hunt tests, I still think a retriever club. Oh, plus, not this isn't a note that I was going to remember, but like, how many people message us, where can I get ducks? Ooh, good point. The retriever clubs have ducks. So you go to a training day, you get ducks. They order live ducks. Hey, can I get uh, two of them and you, you know, use them? Um, there, it, it's just, there's plenty and plenty and plenty of reasons that I can't even think of right now of why it'd be important to find a club within an hour or two and get your butt up on a Saturday and go and train. Yeah, maybe they'd uh, you meet someone cool who'd have a really good hunting spot. Yeah, and then they wouldn't invite you because the way Kevin's eyes just lit up was like he'd steal your spot. 
but but anyways i think that's cool and uh we've got a lot more hunt tests to go we've got to finish qualifying all these dogs we got a bunch of senior dogs lizzie's three for three drake's three for three lincoln's two for three maya's three for three and junior i got a bunch of young junior dogs that are ready to rock um it's gonna be a a busy busy summer and and then it's gonna be freaking master national time and i've got to be ready and then it'll be hunting season and i'm gonna tone it down and shoot that Mm, bismuth at those mm, green heads those eduardo Melardos, the old french duck but anyways, hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. Do me a solid, click subscribe, give us a comment, go to patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters and join our community and join our next happy hour. We're going to have a good time with it and enter to win the free all expenses paid trip to hunt with the pit boss. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today.